0: Amen. Let's give it up for the band. Yeah. You guys have a name or? Selling yeah. CDs later? Yeah. What, really CDs. Yeah. I just dated myself so bad. <laughs> guys are like, what are CDs? Uh, how did we sleep last mm-hmm. night? the, uh, I know how the boys room under my room slept (laughs) or didn't. Ah, so good. Want you to grab your Bible and let's, let's get back into Philippians chapter three. As you open, I want to just say this, no matter if you're a Christian or not, sin is Frustrating and sin is a problem. If you're a Christian or not, sin is frustrating. Sometimes your sin has immediate consequences. Shows up with parents, with a family member, with friends. Sin has a way of, of ruining those relationships, of messing those up, and you get caught, and you get in trouble, and your life gets complicated. So it's true, sin is its frustrating, and it's a problem. And that's especially true in the life of, of a believer, of a, of a Christian. It hurts our relationships with the people that we care about. It messes things up, and it causes you to feel guilt and shame. But of all of the consequences and side effects of sin, the one that I think is the most threatening, the one that seems to be the most troublesome, is that it can cause a believer, especially a young believer, to doubt their salvation. It's one of the worst sort of ripple effects of sin. You begin to doubt the reality of your new life in Christ. And believers, and again, kind of newer, younger believers, often have to face this very question, what's the deal with sin? What's going on? Does sin mean I'm not saved? Did I do something wrong? Do I need to get saved again? get asked that question a lot. Uh, again, just way of reminder, a Christian is someone who, who's recognized that they're a sinner. And they know that their sin is a problem and that their sin has, has separated them from God. They're not in right relationship with God because... Of their sin, and they trust in what God has done to fix that problem, they trust in what Christ did to fix that problem, that he came and that he died and that he gave his life for your sin. A Christian is somebody who believes in that and, and trusts in that, and they believe that Christ paid for their sin and they know that this salvation is a gift from God. The Bible tells us that that this belief comes from God, that salvation's from God. David wrote that in Psalm chapter 3. Jesus said that in John chapter 3, that this salvation, that this new birth, it's from God. Last time we talked about it for a second in the Q&A. Ephesians chapter 2, Paul tells us that we're dead and it's God who gives spiritual life. And of this sort of new life, this divine transformation that happens... The Bible also says that if anyone's in Christ, he's a new creation. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. That who you used to be is no longer who you are anymore. So it makes sense that a Christian would ask, what now? I'm supposed to be a new creation. I'm supposed to have this new life. What about sin is... This sin in my life mean that I'm not a new creation? Does it mean that I'm not saved? What does this mean? If you're wondering that this morning, or if you've ever wondered that, Paul has the same concern for not only his own life, but the life of these believers here in Philippi. Paul knew, even as a as a Christian, that he wasn't perfect. He knew that. He knew he wasn't sinless, but he didn't have to fear because of what Christ had done. And that's the same way that you need to think if indeed you truly are a Christian. Sin shouldn't cause you to doubt your salvation. It it rather instead should cause you to realize that you have a growth problem. That you need to grow in your faith, to grow in your obedience to the word of God. Kind of a big idea for this morning. If you don't think right about sin, you guys listen, you won't have the joy that you're meant to have as a Christian. Must think right about sins. It's going to be so hard to have joy in the Lord when you're doubting your salvation all the time, when you're doubting whether or not this relationship actually exists. So here's how we protect our joy for a Christian. Let me just say this again. Sin is not a salvation problem. It's a growth problem. God saved you from sin. He set you free from it. And his desires that you would grow to be more like him. So as we come back to the letter of Philippians this morning, I want you to know that, that Christians protect their joy in the Lord by thinking right about their sin. Christian knows they need to grow and they they want to grow in their faith. This morning, just three principles that are, are vital for the for the Christian life, vital for living this life, vital for spiritual growth. Let's, let's just read our passage and then we'll, we'll talk about these this morning. We'll start in verse 12. God's word says, not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Only let us hold true to what we've attained. Last night, we started to look at the source of, of Paul's joy. Paul had such joy, not in who he was, not the family that he was born into, not all of the things he had accomplished in his life. His joy was in knowing Christ. His joy was secure in who he was in his relationship with Jesus And verses 8 to 11 is kind of where we ended last night. Paul said he wanted to know Christ above all. He wanted to know Christ more than anything. And that was his, his treasure. That was the thing he loved the most. And he, he says in verse 10 to 11, we, we didn't really get to it. But he writes that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. That by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. And and, and we just kind of read that and we're like, what is Paul saying? What what does he mean here? And in a way, Paul's just trying to tell us that it's clear that he's growing in his faith. This is Paul's expression of his desire to grow and to be more like, like Jesus. He wanted to share As he writes in the fellowship of Christ's suffering, he wants to become like Christ in the way that Christ died, that he might attain this new life. He's just looking forward to a time when he's made completely like Christ. That's what he's saying. I want to be like Jesus as much as I possibly can. That's what Paul's saying with all this. And that will come at the resurrection. Paul knows that when when he is finally in the presence of the Lord, he knows he will finally be sinless. That's a moment that Paul's looking forward to a lot. And he talks about that moment a lot. He's motivated by that moment, that future moment when he'll stand before his Savior so much. But he knows he's not there yet. And so in the meantime, he's living like Christ wants him to live he's pursuing holiness he wants to be like Jesus as much as possible so Paul just kind of review has this permanent joy in the Lord because he knows he's saved and he knows it's not by anything that he's done and Paul wants that same joy for these believers here and God through his word wants that same joy in your life if you're a Christian he wants you to have that. He wants you to know what this joy is about. And part of that joy comes from knowing that it has nothing to do with you. It's not because, we learn from Paul, it's not because you're awesome. It's because Jesus is awesome. It's because of what Christ did. It's not your works, your righteousness, but you're saved by what Jesus has done and you're saved by his righteousness. So Paul's warning the Philippians here to keep their joy in the Lord by making sure first that they're thinking right about their Savior. Because of his salvation, Paul's serious about living the way God expects him to live, living the way Jesus wants him to live, he wants to be more like Jesus. He wants to be more holy. He can't wait to see Jesus face to face. He can't wait to be done with sin. And with sort of all that in the blender here this morning, with that in mind, Paul now warns these believers next to think right about their sin. If you don't, your joy's in jeopardy. So sin still a problem. And I get that. And we should have those thoughts. We can want to be like, like Jesus wants us to be as much as possible and we can have the best intention, but reality is sin is still a problem. Temptation to sin is still lingering. Knowing that and and knowing the damage that sin can do to the joy of a believer, Paul gives some really helpful instruction to help us think right about our sin and to make sure we still have joy In the Lord, we have these three truths to help every Christian think right about their sin. And here's the first one. You're not sinless yet. If you're taking notes, that'd be a good one to write down. I'm not sinless yet. Verse 12, Paul writes, not that I've already obtained it or I'm already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Now, what is the, the it? Paul says, I've not obtained it. I don't think I've laid hold of it yet. The it or the this is what he's talking about in verses 10 to 11. It's this becoming like Jesus in perfect holiness. That's what he's talking about. And Paul's just making it so clear uh, he's not there yet. He knows he's not there yet. He says, I've not obtained this. I'm not Perfect. I'm not sinless. Verse 13, I don't think I'm sinless yet. So in other words, Paul's saying I'm not deceiving myself when it comes to sin. I'm thinking right about it. I, I know sin is still a problem. I know I need to work on it and fight against it. I know I need to grow. I know I need to be more like, like Christ because I'm not sinless. Yet in verse 15, he even says, if you don't have this attitude, if, you, if you're thinking differently, implying that if you think you're sinless, well, you're not. And you need to think right. Paul even says, I'm I'm praying that God will, will show this to you. God will show this to you. will not be perfect until that day we stand before Christ. We're moving towards that day and we're longing for that day. The older you get, the longer you deal with sin and the consequences of sin, the more you long for heaven, the more you long for that moment when sin is no more. But until then, we're just on our way and because of that, you and I need to think right about sin. And I think it's helpful to even just admit it. <laughs> Can you even imagine what a, a sinless person would be like? I mean, it's, it's, it's crazy that you, you never lose your temper and you never have a bad thought. You never tell a lie. You never even just embellish the truth just a little bit. You're never selfish, never prideful, someone who never thinks the wrong thing ever, never says the wrong thing ever, never does the wrong thing. (laughs) A lot of you didn't even get out of your bunk bed this morning without proving how impossible that is. It's impossible. We long for that day, but until then, again, number one, we're not sinless yet. You need to know that you're going to sin. You're going to do something that you know God and His Word says that's not for you anymore, Christian. You're not going to do something that God wants you to do. But recognizing that you're not sinless yet, you're not perfect yet. If you're going to protect your joy in the Lord, that also means you, you know, you should be sinning less. It's important. First John chapter two, verse three, we read this by this. We know that we've come to know him. If we keep his commandments, the one who says I've come to know him and doesn't keep his commandments is a liar. And the truth is not in him. John says, whoever keeps his word in him, the love of God has truly been perfected. John says, don't lie to yourself. Don't lie to yourself. You're going to sin. But on the other hand, don't think for a second that it doesn't matter. Don't think that you shouldn't be fighting against sin or to use Paul's word. Don't think that you shouldn't be putting sin to death. Romans chapter 8. Don't think that you shouldn't be living in obedience to Christ and his word. True salvation will always display itself in a growing love for obedience to Christ. That new life in Christ, it leads to this desire to want to know the word of God and want to obey the word of God. True salvation always will display itself in a growing hatred of sin. You'll be bothered by it, you'll be be ashamed of it. For the Christian, sin isn't a salvation problem, it's a growth problem. It shouldn't cause you to doubt your salvation. Instead, it's a signal, it's a sign, it's meant to show you, "I, I, I need to figure this out, I need to grow in my faith, I need to grow in my desire to live the way Christ calls me to live. Think of a lot of illustrations, maybe one we kind of got close to last night. Just as a toddler is growing and learning to walk, when they fall down, they don't doubt whether or not they're alive. They just get up and keep trying to figure it out. They keep working at it. It's it's so similar to your your spiritual life. Failure and, and sin isn't meant to make you just, okay, I must not be alive. But it's meant to help you understand, I need help. I need to figure this out. I need to keep working at it. I need to keep striving to do this the way I'm supposed to. It's a signal that you need to grow. Don't let it deceive you into believing you aren't saved. Instead, let's learn from it. Let's repent of our sin. Let's ask God for forgiveness and draw closer to him. That's why your parents and your pastors and your leaders Encourage you so often to be in God's word, to know it, to learn it, so that you can actually know not only the expectation of God's plan for your life and God's will for your life, but also begin to actually do that. Actually live that way. Principle one naturally leads to number two, because we're not sinless yet, number two, we always need to grow. We always need to grow. Paul's sin doesn't cause him to doubt his salvation. Rather, it just drives him to to pursue holiness. It pushes him to learn from it and and to desire to be as Christ-like as he can be. Look, in verse 12, you see that word, press on. Uh, Again, in verse 14, it's a word that means to, to move rapidly but decisively. It's a word that... Means like I'm choosing this and I'm quick about it. I'm wanting to do this. It's, it's the obvious choice. That's the attitude that we need towards our, our spiritual growth. And Paul wants these believers to know a second truth because we still sin and we're tempted to sin, all the more we have to grow in our faith. We have to mature. We have to chase. Holiness. I think that's a great way to, to say that. Like, I don't know, like a game of, of tag and you're really competitive and, and you're just running everybody down. You, you hate to lose. You, you chase holiness like that. Like, like the way Cade plays gaga ball. You just, it's, it's hardcore. Good job, man. Paul says he presses on to be more like Jesus in verse 12. He forgets what's behind him and he looks forward to what's what's coming. He's reaching forward, focused on what lies ahead, striving and chasing after this upward call of God in Christ. Verse 14 says, what is that? Well, Paul's focused on changing. He's, He's fixed on changing. His desire is to grow. His desire is to be Changed, actively pursuing godliness. Verse 16, let us keep living by the same standard to which we've attained. What's that? Well, Paul's hope is that these believers would continue in their pursuit to be changed. God wants the same for you. He's the initiator of your salvation, that first big change in your life. He brings that, but God isn't done with you at salvation. There's more, there's, there's much more. God also is gonna to continue to grow you and change you and he's the source of your growth in godliness as well. He, he wants you to know that, but he also wants you to know that you play a part. You don't play a role in your salvation. That belongs to him. But the moment after that, we call it sanctification, the moment where you begin to grow and become more like Christ now you do play a role God's involved but so are you and you and I are to chase after holiness this serious desire, go after it with passion and energy and effort and the way that's written, it's a word that that helps us know it's all the time it's it's continuing. It's every day, every moment. This is something I'm supposed to be doing. It's a gritty pursuit. It's work and it's effort and it's, it's gonna take sweat and it never stops. It's the kind of attitude that says, I'll do whatever it takes to get this. This is what I want so bad. I'll, I'll get up early and I'll stay up late and I'm gonna put in the work, I'll do more than what's expected because I want it so badly. This is what it is to press on. Listen, there's no place for a lukewarm pursuit. Like I'm kind of interested sometimes, but other times like I'm kind of not. There's just no place for an attitude of average, of mediocre pursuing holiness. I was at a camp last weekend, and almost every meal was, like, flavorless. <laughs> it's just, you, you blindfolded, you would have never known what you were eating. It's, it's just like a, a bland, like, what is that? It's the same way some of you pursue holiness, like, it's just, it's nothing, It's so mediocre. It's so blah. And Paul says here that is not the way we chase holiness. I I want it more than anything, more than anything. I want to be more. Like Christ. I want to be more like the way Jesus wants me to be. This thing that he's turning me into, this person, this young man, this young woman who I am in Christ, I want to be that more than anything. It's an attitude that says, I'll do whatever it takes to have a deeper knowledge of Christ and his plan for my life. So that wanting, that attitude. You guys, I just want you to know it leads to this this desire to be active. It helps me know that I have to do something. I can't just like sit on the couch and grow in godliness. I I have a role to play in this. As a believer, especially a new one, don't doubt your salvation when you sin. Instead, let it motivate you and drive you to chase holiness. Let that frustration motivate you to be more godly. Stop making excuses. You're not too busy. You're not too young. God's not asking you to give up too much. He just wants you to stop pursuing those things that lead to death. And instead, chase after those things that lead to spiritual life. Live the way he's calling you to live, which, by the way, will be a much happier, much more joyful life. We shouldn't be surprised by that. All this connected to our joy in the Lord, our pursuit of holiness, it's meant to be active and extreme But understand that it doesn't mean it's the only thing. You can play sports. You can get good grades. You can work hard in school. You can have hobbies. You can enjoy God's creation. You can experience and be blessed by all those common graces that God gives. But just know that as a Christian, my spiritual growth is always meant to be top on the priority list. It's always meant to be number one. God wants to be number one in your life, and that's not just a salvation thing. That's an always thing. He wants that first spot. Verse 14, pressing on towards the goal like Paul, we must never ever rest with where we are at today as a Christian. Never be satisfied. Never think you know Enough. Never think you don't need to, to keep growing. You know, it reminds me of a, of a story. My first moments as a youth leader was, was meeting with a, a young man who clearly wasn't pursuing holiness. He wasn't interested in, in really living the Christian life. And we met for weeks and every week I encouraged him in the same thing. And it was to read this. We, we had a section of scripture we were studying and every week he came with the same excuse. I've already read it. I don't need to read it again. I've read it once and I, it'd be a waste of time to continue to read it. A waste of time to read it again. And my heart broke for him thinking that he believed he knew all he needed to know. Thinking that you know he was good, content with where he was at, Wanting to grow in your faith should always be true of you. Knowing Jesus better. And this is how we know him better. Knowing him more. And it's through his word that we we know him more. Living this life displaying the fruit of his spirit to those around me. That's going to come with more time here. Living the way he's called me to live, being this light, being this salt, that's going to grow as I spend time in his word. It doesn't matter if you're in junior high or high school. It doesn't matter if in your 20s or your 40s or your 60s. Even on the last day of your life, you should be saying to yourself, how could I be more like Jesus today? What could I do to grow in my pursuit of being more like my Savior? We must keep growing. Sin in the life of a believer, it's a signal that there's a growth problem. And this leads us to just one last principle. Quickly, Christians know they're not perfect yet, and they know they still need to grow. And a Christian, number three, looks to Jesus for help. They look to Jesus for help. <clears throat> Embracing the truth about our sinfulness all the time can be draining. It can be tiring, chasing after holiness every day. What is it that motivates Paul to keep at it? Well, it's no surprise, at least it shouldn't be, that he's motivated by Christ. He says in verse 12 that he presses on for a reason. He, he chases after holiness He's motivated by the reality that Christ has made him his own. Your Bible may say, laid hold of his life. Paul's saying as a believer that he belongs to Jesus. We're his. In other words, Paul says he wants to grow to be more like Jesus, not so that Jesus will accept him, but because he already has. He knows he's in Christ. And that that just motivates Paul like like none other. And that should motivate us as well. We should want to grow because of what we already have by faith in Christ. If you're a Christian, you're, you're his. You belong to him. He's made you his own. You're this new creation. And you should live like it. He's given you life. And you should live. Paul doesn't just say, Look, Philippians, you're saved. Can we just downshift a little bit? Can we pump the brakes a little bit on this whole, like, living, like, righteously thing? Can you calm down and give it a rest? Not at all. He says, Because I'm accepted by Christ, I'm won by Him, He's laid hold of my life. He says, It's my desire to. To chase holiness and speak truth to myself about sinfulness and my need for growth in godliness. And then listen to what he says in verse 14. I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God. Listen to these last three words. In Christ Jesus. I think there, Paul is telling us how he does it. How he chases after godliness and holiness. How does he do it? It's in Christ Jesus. He knows he doesn't have the power to do this on his own. Christ is at work in his life. He's he's not able to make this change all by himself. So he knows he needs help. But catch this, he knows his source of help. He knows that it's Christ that he needs. And if you're a believer, God is that same source of help for you. God's calling you to recognize you have a lifetime of growth in front of you and he wants you to know that he'll be right by your side helping you every step of the way. He's gonna show you your sinfulness. Maybe this weekend. Maybe this coming week, this next month, this next year. And he'll continue to do that year after year Showing you areas of your life, sometimes areas you're not even, you weren't even aware of. I didn't know I had this sin problem. And as God exposes you in that, you need to think this, boy, this isn't okay. And and I know I, I need to grow. And I'm so glad God's exposing that. Sin is trying to cause you to doubt your salvation. Satan uses that to, to make you doubt and keep you sort of ineffective as a believer. But God's exposing sin in your life so that you grow. And your response should be, I want to. Lord, thanks for showing me that. Yeah, it hurts. It's hard. It's going to be tough. I don't really want to admit this. I don't really want to deal with this, but I know I need to and I know I should and I'm thankful and I, I know you want me to. My thoughts and my words and my actions in my life, I know you'll help me put this sin to death. That's thinking right about sin. If, if you live that way, you guys, that's thinking right about it and getting back to sort of our big, big idea, that will absolutely protect the joy that you're meant to have in the Lord. It'll keep you where you need to be joyful in the Lord. Before we close, let me just say this. I know I've said this a few times. Sin isn't a salvation problem. That's only true if you're genuinely a Christian. If you haven't put your faith in the gospel, if you haven't put your trust in Christ and what he did to save you from sin, listen, sin is absolutely a salvation problem. And it will always be a salvation problem for you. John 3.36, whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life but the wrath of God remains on him. And you may be thinking, well, what do I do? What's the, what's the help? What's the solution? Paul says in Romans 10, whoever will call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. You could do that this morning. You talk to your small group leader. You can talk to Pastor Scott about that. You can talk to me about that. I'd love to help you understand how to know for sure that you're saved how to how to work through that process that's so true this is the only way that sin won't be a salvation problem that's if you trust in Christ for forgiveness <laughs> But for the Christian, don't be confused. When you sin, it's awful. And it's something that you need to repent of and pray and ask God to forgive you. But learn from God's word. As a Christian, don't let sin cause you to doubt your salvation. It's a growth problem. You're gonna sin, but if you're truly in Christ, you're gonna grow. How do I know? Let me give Paul the last word. In chapter one, verse six, Paul says, I am confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for teaching us and showing us the truth about our salvation and about our sin. Father, help those who are truly saved to have assurance of their salvation, to know that sin in our life is a sign that we need to grow. Father, would you, by your Spirit, help us to grow? Expose sin. Give us hearts to change, desires to change, or desires to obey your word. Make us more like you, we pray in Jesus' name, amen.